HGTV Sports, it's in the cave. I will say they are looking extremely solid. And I do love to see an underdog story, you know, with the young team coming in to get the win. But... So, mother environment, or mother area, they come up to a place that gets really, really cold, and they just grind to a halt. They're not used to it. Kick it out to Bryant. Pass it over to Cox for three. Got it! Good morning. More than everybody. Welcome to another episode of HGTV Sports in the Cave. Going to be kicking it off this weekend. Or this weekend. Wednesday, talking about All Star Weekend, Indiana. Very interesting event. Say the Rising Stars tourney was probably the most intense and competitive thing all weekend, other than that Steph and Sabrina three point contest. Yeah, Ben Matherin looks pretty good, and there's a lot of Thunder's play, a lot of Thunder players on there this season too. What did you think about that? Well, I love the uh, team Detlef. That was a, a big upset. The G League team, man. Took the dub. They made it to the final. Against like that. What was that? The team was like, I know Wemby was on it. Was it um, at Palo, I think? Yeah, they beat uh, Team Team, team Paolo. Paolo. They had Paolo Bancaro. They had a lot of guys. It, it was, it was stacked. stacked. I'm, I'm like blanking on some of the roster. But yeah, like that was that was my favorite to, to win it off. You just looked it out on paper and then no. Knocked out round one, and oh, but honestly, Team Jalen was was insane. Uh, yeah, Jordan Hawkins, he was looking, he was looking dangerous from deep. Hit some huge threes, especially in that final game. Uh, Benedict Matherin was the the MVP of the Rising Stars that tournament. Point first game, him and uh, I think it was Jalen Jalen Duran or Jalen Williams. Hey, they're kind of getting at it during the game too it was it was really competitive and fun yeah. i like that. williams was on his team williams jalen williams actually hit the tournament winning shot and didn't even need it they were it was um was, what was it 20 23 to to 19 and then or to 13 and then he just buried another three picked up the dub those those were fun i was i like the rising stars game was pretty good peyton watson was kind of robbed in my opinion but we'll i agree i mean he's a great defense like defensive player so it would have been fun to see him out there with uh he's, he's another one of those guys where like, he's not necessarily as tall as chet and wimby but he's got that great length man he is he's got a crazy wingspan the steph and sabrina three-point contest was pretty crazy too oh i yeah. like that i liked that more than the the regular three-point contest Dude, i don't like these guys were bricking in the regular three-point contest. It was wild. I mean, Steph and Sabrina actually went off. Sabrina tied the highest uh, score of all any of the uh, other guys in the three-point contest. She just came up against. <laughs> That's great. I mean, arguably the the best three-point shooter of all time. Yeah, seriously. That's a good performance. So, she made more total shots 
than he did. He just made more points. Yeah, he just I he hit more money balls and more of the I he got both of those starry balls, I believe, which were worth three points. Just those <sighs> those shots won it for him in the end. But Sabrina in total yeah. had more makes. So Dame won it with with twenty six. First back to back since two thousand eight. Yeah. Even though He's, like a lot of the top three point shooters got snubbed, but you know. Yeah. And, and then and then the only like like real like top ten three or top seven three point shooter that was in the contest was Malik Beasley. I don't even think he advanced. He didn't make it past the first round. Dang. That was uh that was the one that I actually didn't get to watch. The one I did get to check on was that dunk contest. Oh yeah. I watched that. And there's it was pretty controversial. Now I liked J I like Jalen Brown's uh memorial dunk that he did where you put on uh that Brewster jersey. Oh yeah, for Terrence Clark. For Terrence Clark and did his like iconic dunk. That was awesome. But let's play this clip real quick, H Train. We got Jalen Brown dunking over Kai Sanat. And I also wanted to show you guys uh, Shannon Sharp's reaction. The only guy really I, that I knew was was uh, Jalen Brown and Mac McClung. Mac, excuse right. me, Mac McClung, and he deserved the win. He deserved the win. Was a, he was he was better. But hello. You got guys jumping over Taco. Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Fall. Matt McClung jumped over Shaq. Jalen Bryan jumped over Casanet in a seat. What am I supposed to do with that, Stephen A? They should have gave him a two across the board. The man's already three foot tall. You put him in a chair 91, 91 five. And Jalen Brown dumped over here and he got 40 plus points. Really, Stephen A? <laughs> Unk with the wise words. I agree. Dunking Dan. over oh Kai Sinat is not that cool. Yeah. I mean, I just, we've, we've seen people do it like over way taller guys. He put, he put some pretty good examples. Like two guys in that dunk contest this year dunked over Shaq. We had, we've seen so much other stuff. Aaron Gordon did a double between the legs over the Orlando magic mascot. I mean, Blake, Blake Griffin Blake jumped Griffin, over a car. Yeah, yeah, he jumped over a Kia. Like, uh, I, was... I think Mac McClung jumping over those two guys. What they were like squatted to the height of an NBA player, but it was two guys. One, it was like the the little kids in a in a large trench coat type yeah. of thing. <laughs> um, McClung has some some sick ones. I I really like the one where he like he like tossed it. He like up in the air and then grabbed it again and, and then, then threw it, it back over his head. That too. was pretty sick. He's also back to back and the G league MVP or the G league rookie of the year. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm hoping that he gets a chance, like gets called up to one of these yeah. rosters pretty soon. Like let's come on it. Like this guy, this guy looks fun. NBA. Let's, I, he's been dunking like that. Since although I mean, I, to be fair, the all-star weekend's a little bit different than like regular NBA play. So I, but he was we'll out there see, having fun. We'll see what it, we'll see if he. Can, I mean, he, he was a G League MVP, so I mean, he probably he's he's got game and hops. So you know, let's just not have him be like the guy we only bring out for All Star Weekend. 
How'd you yeah. feel about that uh, that skills challenge performance from Anthony Edwards and Scotty Barnes? So he was like just trying to do everything left-handed. Is that what I'm hearing? It's a meme around the league. He said it himself. He thinks, well, he believes that he can perform at the same level that he does with his right hand, with his left. So he it's like a meme that he is believes that he's ambidextrous in his basketball game. So he was shooting all the three-pointers left-handed, all the floaters, all the dribbling, like through the cones and stuff left-handed, the pass. And he, <laughs> to be honest, it's like me doing stuff with my right hand. As a left-handed person, like he didn't look like he was really going like he was really trying too hard either but i don't know yeah well i mean he definitely like, he missed all of his threes it was so funny so yeah i scotty mean Barnes. It, it didn't look like he was trying like scotty he he just kind of runs weird that was dribbled out into the crowd yeah man i uh, love his like little if there's a if there's somebody who gallops like when uh, George Kittle was talking about Brock Purdy, that's somebody who scampers or like gallops. Scotty Barnes is like not not to roast Scotty Barnes. He just runs a little runs a little awkward sometimes. Yeah, it's a very awkward like running motion. I I mean it it works for him, dude's a Once baller. Once he gets going, it's like a freight train. I think it's getting started is where it really looks awkward. Yeah. For him. I was gonna say I um. Like the Pacers, the, the the home team, they really seem like the only ones taking that challenge seriously. Yeah, they wanted to win. They I see. I, like Trey team. Young seemed like he was taking it serious. I, like I don't think anybody on the first picks was like trying too hard. Like they were all just kind of goofing around. It, it seemed like, and then I don't know, like Scotty and who was the other? Who was the other All Star? Trey, Scotty, um, oh, and Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were, they were just wild, and they, they weren't really. Reggie Miller was not very happy with Anthony Edwards and, yeah. or Scotty Barnes. I don't know. And uh, Adam Silver was—he didn't sound too pleased after that All Star game. He was talking to the West or the Eastern Conference. They scored the two eleven, right? Yeah. He was like. Uh, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. <laughs> he sounded like so annoyed that nobody was actually like playing yeah. or taking it seriously. Yeah, you know, and I gotta say this um this all star game, it was like taking us back to the days when it was like really just cat in Minnesota, you know. He'd have like fifty points and they lost by twenty six. Twenty <laughs> four. Back yeah. in the days when he first got drafted, he was balling yeah. out, and they were still like scrapping and fighting for an eight seed. Oh my gosh, that All Star game was something else. I that was the one I got to watch the most of. Like I was able to watch that from start to finish, and it's just the whole game. It's like okay, if there wasn't like an easy lane to the basket, everybody would just chuck up a three logo three. Yeah. Any three-pointer like, really was going in. Dame looked better shooting the three-ball in that than he did in the three-point <laughs> contest. And I'm thinking the reason is is because he's too close. He's actually better the farther back he is. He hit like five logo threes. It's ridiculous. There was like an, uh, an awesome sequence where like he went and just 
shot a logo three then curry did it then he came back and did like it was like a, a little back and forth like that they we actually had a moment like that one season the first year they drafted the teams it was dame and uh russell westbrook they kind of went back and forth shooting those logo threes so they're kind of giving a little bit of a throwback in the middle of the game without knowing it yeah that's <laughs> they should add a a rack and the three-point challenge and maybe a little extra time on there so they can get to it but like a rack yeah. from the logo that the, is like all money ball something like that that could be their star yeah that might be that could be that could like be their starry things if uh yeah if dame if it's that's the case dame might might dominate in that also like Jokic and Luka just did not take that game serious at that all. That play where they were passing back and forth, they didn't <laughs> yeah. dribble the entire possession, and neither of them scored. They kicked it down low to another guy for a layup. I mean, they were just just slow lumbering around. <laughs> just they were just happy to be playing basketball together. I saw a beam. It was like a guy getting in his truck and he was like screaming at the kids in the back. It was like a, it was like a skit, but it was like Jokic uh, getting back to Denver with Jamal Murray after getting to play with Luca all weekend. <laughs> it's like going home to the, the, uh, the black sheep kind of thing. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's not dramatic, but <laughs> yeah, it's not that dramatic. They like each other out here in Denver. Yeah, you wouldn't have what got that chip. Without chemistry, you got you got to have some sort of connection. You got to have a, a good relationship to be able to play that well together, and know each other pretty well to do that. It is eight fourteen. Got about a little bit over a minute before we go to the break. We're going to be talking about Caitlin Clark breaking Kelsey Plum's scoring record. Are waiting to get to break. Just want to let everybody know how. What do you guys think the NBA could do to make All-Star Weekend more competitive? I, I kind of liked when, when when they did draft the teams and they were playing for like a specific charity and there was more money on the line for the charity because uh, 100000 240000 that's kind of weak south for the NBA, especially that's how true. much money they can make here. What would make the dunk contest more exciting, you know? What would make the three-point contest more exciting? Um, what did Reggie Miller put pitched the idea of Damon Steph versus Sabrina and Caitlin Clark next year uh, for the three point contest? What do you guys think of that? That would be sweet. call in Texas. Let us know what you're thinking. We're gonna go do a quick break, but we'll be right back. Stay with us. Oh, my 
black hole sigh Won't you come Watch away the rain Black hole sigh Won't you come Won't you come Won't you come Stood
What's up, everybody? Almost back with Sports in the Cave. HG and I are just putting some shots up. Let me bury this three real quick, though. Welcome back, everyone. HGTV Sports in the Cave. We've got, we're breaking it off. We've got a quick clip to show you guys. Caitlin Clark recently broke Kelsey Plum's NCAA women's scoring record. Let's check this one out real quick. Logo three. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? There it is! The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. Just comment on that. What a great call from the commentary. Yeah. How will she make history? And then she just sinks the three from the, the Hawkeye logo. That's I, that's sweet. Iconic call. That is an unhinged shot that like only she could make. Like her and down breaking the record select, with the heat check. Yeah. Oh my god. Like only a very select few shooters across all of basketball could make that shot. Like that's that's something like Steph Curry or Damian Lillard would do like I mean like she or like you know like Sabrina on the WNBA side it's I mean just you have to have an incredible stroke to just be able to to knock down a shot like that she continued that night 49 points on the record-breaking scoring night against Michigan and it was 49 on 51 50 100 splits i mean oh my goodness she was shooting lights out in that game and And people say she won't be able to shoot in the wnba that 49 was a career high for her like well i mean i think in all of college hoops right now no player has more aura than caitlin clark no seriously is that safe to say i mean i i there are some there are some absolute ballers, you know, on the men's side. Women's also got uh, you know a lot of great players. She's like the Undertaker of but she women's is right now. Yeah, I mean, like right now she she's spawns in. She's doing like it's like a like she's got that kind of like generational aura, you know, where it's like you know whether you're you've been closely following women's college hoops or not. If you even follow hoops a lot, like it's like you know about her. You're hearing about her, like I mean, she's got. I mean, she, she's already got State Farm commercials and stuff like that. I mean, Jimmy she's, Buckets, that's she's, crazy. She's in commercials with like bonafide like NBA stars that have been in the league for a while. That's like that's, one of the biggest names in uh, women's basketball right now, Caitlin Clark. That is generational aura, and yeah, I mean it's. Wherever she goes, it, she's probably gonna she's gonna sell a lot of tickets and she's gonna light it up. And I mean, it, it, you know the the WNBA it just keeps it keeps growing more and more every year. And I think like a player like her is just it's really gonna start like. I mean, it, I think it could really like like kick start like get it up to that next level, man, where it can start to compete. With she's uh you know the NBA in terms of sales and everything. She's definitely that big moneymaker that yeah. they could get. She's in her third season this year after uh arriving in Iowa in 2020. So 
we could possibly see her, you know, next season in the WNBA or the season after. I think I I think she's she's gonna go. I think she's gonna declare for the draft. You already broke the record three seasons too. That's impressive. Oh yeah. I think um, what what's next for her? Whoever's got that number one draft pick in the WNBA draft. Got to secure her if you need a guard on your team. That's the Indiana Fever. And it looks like I was looking at some mock drafts for their upcoming draft. And it looks like, I mean, everyone seems to think that there's no way Indiana would trade that pick. I mean, you're going to stay there and you're going to get her. And, uh, man, it's going to be exciting to see what she does at the next level. But... She's still not done in college. Right now, she's sitting at uh, 3,569 career points. Dang. I mean, that's – so Kelsey Plum's record was uh, 3,527. And so she's still got the regular season left to go and the tournament. And the tournament to just – I would like – Oh, my God. So, that's going to be awesome. You know, like, if she can – she broke the record – if she can also win the tournament one more time before leaving, you know, I mean, way like that's that's one way that's one heck of a way to cement yourself. One of the as one of the greatest like college women's college basketball players like ever. Yeah, I mean, she is on a heater this season. She's leading the country in points per game and assists per game. She's averaging. 32, 7, and 8 on 47, 40, 86 splits. She's also averaging nearly two steals a game. So, like, she's also doing some work defensively, getting the ball. I mean, it's a special talent. It really is. It's really a special talent. Sneak peek for that women's side as well. I think that tournament is going to be crazy. Iowa's been upset this like multiple times this season by uh, Ohio State and Nebraska. We've seen them lose. They're in the top five. There's some other really good teams and really good players in the women's. So yeah, and you look at the the top twenty five for the women. Um, I mean, there's a, it's neck and neck. You can't really like put one of those teams as number one. Now, the last time I I was checking the rankings. It's like 15, 16 teams in that top 25 that had five losses or less. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of good squads. The Pac-12 is looking really big. Pac-12 is going, going crazy. So, all right, March is almost upon us. We're going to have men's and women's March Madness coming up. It's going to be it's gonna, it's gonna be a blast. We're kind of in a, you know, right now it's just a little bit of a, a lull in, in the – the sports world just after the NFL season, the NBA season, you know, it slows down a bit uh, leading up to the all-star break. It's going to pick back up here. Once the, once games get going again, as teams make that final playoff push. And so right right now, college basketball has kind of been carrying the, the sports world for, for us. And the NHL, where me and, me and Caveman, not huge, huge hockey guys, but I can admit that the NHL has been, it's been going pretty crazy too. We might, that's good though. We might start talking about that a little bit more as it as it gets closer to the playoff time. Oh yeah, and hopefully the Avalanche do pretty good, pretty good run like they had in 2022. Which is what I didn't realize 
that 2023, the Nuggets won the finals and the Colorado Mammoth, our professional lacrosse team, also won the championship. Year before that, 2022, the Avs were champions. Last time the Rockies won was uh, the last time they actually went to the World Series was like 2007 and they lost. Yep. We've had we've had some pretty pretty good that. times for championships in Denver. I can't complain. A lot of championships sporting teams here in the here in Colorado. It's so good time for for us us Coloradans. But now just going back to Caitlin Clark. Congratulations on an incredible collegiate career for her. And I mean, she's got a lot of, a lot more games to add to that point record and make it very, very difficult. The next person to trying to beat that is going to have a very tough time. All right. Well, it's uh, 8.30 now. I think uh, we're going to head on down to do some team building exercise this week. We'll explain our stipulations this week after our little intro here. And I'm putting together a special team. So this week for team building exercise, we wanted to switch it up. You've seen us do the NBA uh, teams once before, but we're going to go all time players. So you can go pick any time period in NBA's history, when it wasn't even the NBA, you can pick then, pick now. Wherever we want to pick, we're going to go with the starting five, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. And we want you guys, the viewers, to vote on those teams. Who do you think head-to-head would take the win in a four-quarter basketball game? Like it's game seven of the NBA finals, uh, I should say. Well, Seven-game series. That's an, team team. That's an even better one. Actually. And for this is a seven-game series, whose team wins and in how many games? That's a good pick that, for this yeah. one. I like that. So we're going to do all-time teams. Last week's winner was HG. So we are, I believe we're all tied up on the season series right now. We're two and two apiece, right? Are you yep, guys two going to do? Are you guys doing coach this this week or no? I don't think you're like if you're doing like an all time team, you know, I don't think the coach is that important. I mean, you got like true all time talent. So that's what you're that's what you're you're looking for. You can pretty much as long as they are a an, an average basketball coach, they can probably do all right. HG, you got the win. So I'll let you I'll let you take our first spin this week while I grab a pen. Got it. All right, go ahead. Give me a spin, H train. Man, I got the Wizards. Ooh, interesting. Give me Gilbert Arenas. Oh, I'll play him at my my point guard position. Yeah. All good now. Shout out Gilbert Arenas. No chill, love, Gil. Love watching his podcast for you know more basketball insights too. Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, oh that's an interesting one. I gotta think here. 
I don't want to take away from any positions on the floor. Like for me in this one, there's like two like guys that really jump out. I'm going. This is my meme pick of the week. I'm going Zach Randolph. He's gonna be my four. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. All right. That's my meme pick of the week. Last week was McCall Hardman. That's my pick this week. Zach, Zach Randolph. Nuggets. Oh, hey, all right. I'm I'm taking Jokic. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Uh, but that's. Best basketball player in Nuggets history. So I that's mean, true. There's there's only one other guy to wear number fifteen in a Denver jersey and ball out, and that's Carmelo Anthony. I mean, now I don't even I don't need good passers anywhere else on the floor. I just need scores, <laughs> shooters, right. and scores. <laughs> Guys that can play some good defense. Boston Celtics. Oh man, well, my this... three spot. Larry Bird. Yeah. Take Larry. You got to take Larry Legend. That's a good one. Yeah. If you get the Celtics or Lakers when you're doing an all time team, man, you just have such you have a, so many options. A talent pool to pick. You could from. pick a whole team just of all time Celtics. Yeah. You ever, you ever just be with, with your buddies on 2K? One of you goes all time Celtics, one all time Lakers. Oh, Ooh, the Bulls. Oh, man. Uh, man. Hmm, I wonder who I should take here. Uh, Michael Jordan. Oh Put man! Still so many options with Chicago. But I mean, you I, just said Michael Jordan. So is this like past, present? Yeah, all yeah. Time. We're doing we're oh, doing okay. all time, man. Yeah, Gilbert Arenas. He's he played like late nineties, early two thousands. He ain't in the league too. Let's see here. Next pick for me, man. It's already looking rough. And Zach Randolph, San Antonio Locking. Spurs. You got some Ooh. good ones. Here. That's another. I'm one. staying with the big man. I'm staying with the most calm, the most calm NBA player of all time, Timmy D. Tim Duncan. You know what? It'd be awesome to see a battle of Jokic and Tim Duncan at the five spot. <laughs> the, two, the, the two most calm players. Oh man, you actually, wow, you got a. I already got a center. Spin. I already got shooting guards, though. Is it? No, that's insane. I, I was about to say, let's play Shaq at the Ford, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, that would be a <laughs> bad day for Zach Randolph. <laughs> I don't know if, if he would really work down there, though. You know what? I'm going to put Wilt. Wilt Chamberlain's going to be my power forward. Okay. And I've got the Pistons here. And I my only spots here to fill are point guard and shooting guard. Hmm. What do you think here? Yeah, you gotta go go back a ways. They did they had some ballers. They, they had they had Isaiah Thomas, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll yeah, take the, that. I'll take Isaiah, OG Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. All right, give us another spin. 
This will be my final. I gotta, I gotta fill in my small forward position. So come this on, this is the perfect head to come head. Come on, Cavaliers, Timberwolves, T Wolves. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> Who have they had at their their small forward? That's not really where they've. Uh, yeah, that's really like thrive. I can't. I can't think of a an all time small forward for them. All right, anybody, anybody listening? Yeah, in, can you think of uh, fans? Any T Wolves fans? Give us your all time small forward. Who are some of the best small forwards that have played for your team? Because right now, all I'm like, all I can think of is like, you know, like I don't. They got like cat. I'm like ants. Probably too small. To, to play there. Am I allowed to to move Michael Jordan to the three? Nah, that's that's you. You know what? We'll put we'll put we'll put Cat at the small four. I don't I don't even care. I, I believe in him. He's okay. a good he's a good three level score. I have a huge team. Holy crap! Yeah, you really do. It's gonna be. We honestly both do. Besides Isaiah Thomas, I got a pretty tall yeah. team as well. well. Gilbert and Isaiah are definitely they're they on each other. So and this is right. the perfect head-to-head matchup, though. I have Isaiah Thomas and you have Mike. <laughs> perfect head-to-head matchup. All right. This will be final, my spin, final spin. spin, man. So let me get Lakers too, man. Phoenix Suns. Suns. Shooting guard. I mean, I don't know who you could potentially play at shooting guard. I want to stay away from all the players current. Because their current shooting guards are pretty much like, you know, some of the top in the league right now. I mean, no, this is you just, could take a current player too. You know, I'm no. going, even though he is a true is a true facilitator at the point guard position. Let me take Steve Nash. All right, that's not bad. That's I'm good. surprised you didn't pick Charles Barkley. I, he's he's way too big to play at the two two spot. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's all right. He's I, like honestly, I'm kind of pushing it with Cat at the three. Um, but I just could not. Th- I can't think of us somebody the somebody else because I, I was like I was going to say Kevin Garnett and I'm like no that's that's really pushing it like Cat's a more versatile like three level score so I mean first of all my defense is insane Jokic is my center and he's not even going to be my rim protector like I got yeah. I got two rim protectors at the three and four spot. Um, Gosh, uh, a great score in Michael Jordan. Same with Gilbert Arenas, man. I got. I feel like I got a lethal team. So for the for this again, we want to imagine all of these players. They are in their prime. No, they are in their prime, and this is a seven game series. So, you know, just vote who would win in the seven game series, and if you're real. In-depth basketball fan, tell us how many games they'd win. But just to give you our starting lineups one more time, 
I'll let K-Man go first. I got point guard Isaiah Thomas, Pistons legend, shooting guard Steve Nash, small forward Larry Bird, Zach Randolph is my meme pick of the week. I have power forward and my center is the most Zen mode player in NBA history, Timmy D, Tim Duncan. All right. And for my team, point guard, we're going to have Gilbert Arenas. Shooting guard is going to be Michael Jordan. Small forward is going to be Carl Anthony Towns. Power forward is going to be Wilt Chamberlain. And my center is going to be Nikola Jokic. So we're I'm definitely. I think I'm gonna. I can win that rebound battle, but you got some some speed on your team, Leo. I think. I think my team is gonna be working a lot of screens with Larry Bird yeah. and uh, Timmy D. Also getting Steve Nash involved in those pick and rolls. Let's say it's gonna be and interesting. Tim to Duncan see. down in the paint. I, my personal opinion though, I think I'm cooked. <laughs> I think I, I'm I cooked. will say you where well, you got a shot. It's gonna be interesting to see how my team, you know defends the perimeter but we uh we got the size we can just body inside but and that, that'll definitely be hard to score in the paint on that squad seriously that that's <laughs> one you have brick wall you're three four and five are some of the tallest guys in the league <laughs> all right insane. well that is those are the teams so don't forget to vote you can text us call in leave a comment we'll also have a poll up on the spotify so wherever you vote, we'll tally each and every one that we get. doesn't matter if it's in the comments or not. Any vote is counted. We want to hear from you guys, especially during the shows, too. We want people to call in. I want to hear a and, live you know, And that's what I was going to reiterate for you guys to let your viewers know that when they go onto the MBR phone app and they go to the live chat, they can actually talk to us from their phone on the internet. Yeah. So if they don't want to do Facebook, you know, some people just don't want to sign in, you know, they're working and stuff, yeah. but they still want to interact with you. All they have to do is go to the MBR app under live chat and they can talk to you one-on-one -on -one while you're on the air. Yeah, that's okay. that easy guys that's the perfect way to do yeah. it it's really simple yeah. really come talk wherever, some sports with us wherever you uh whatever phone you use apple android would be google play store if you have android but and download that mbr app you know, with these Check team building exercises we do i'm always interested you know what would you guys have done differently if you were a mere caveman spot yeah what you are know, your who picks? would you have would you have drafted who would you have taken i also would love to hear that hear your guys's thoughts or if you just that. spin, if you just want to do your five spins and let us think would win that game too. We want to hear your guys' thoughts. Personally, this week I'm cooked. I think I'd lost that battle in the paint, and that's where it starts. With that, everyone, we're gonna head to a quick break. What's next for us? We are gonna be talking about the Colorado Buffalo, yeah, they, big, uh, they had a big comeback on Saturday night. They were down 16 with like seven minutes left in the fourth. What a double overtime. So stay with us. More to come. Another regular day nobody knows 
It's that time he's coming home to them From a foreign land He pulls up his mama cries Looks at daddy with tears in his eyes And says Nothing feels better than this Couple months go by and no one sees Something just ain't right Only once is peace He needs help but he don't know The path to take or the way to go To be free Put his mind at ease We will help Cause we can't stand To see a soldier go to God By their own hands We will do Everything we can To make 22 Zero again Help, but he still feels off season out on the TV about a dog batting said This is a man's best friend Whoa, so he goes one day and he picks it up Never thought a dog could bring so much love And put a smile on his face Was finally found a saving grace Help, but he don't know the path to take or the way to go to be free. Put his mind at ease. We will help because we can't stand to see a soldier go to God by their own hands. We will do everything we can. Make twenty two zero again. Whoa, Take all the way to go to be free Put his mind at ease We will help cause we can't stand to see A soldier go to God by their own hands We will do everything we can To make 22 
What's up, everybody? Almost back with Sports in the Cave. HD and I are just putting some shots up. Let me bury this three real quick, though. It's HGTV Sports in the Cave, everybody. I'm HG. This is my co-host, Caveman, with me today. Kicking it off, USC took on CU Buffs, and they were they had a sizable lead. They're up 16. HG said it's about seven minutes left to go. And the Buffs fighting for their chance at the tournament this season. They fought that game back. They're 17 and 9 right now, 8 and 7 in the conference. So they're 41st in the country. They're working their way up. And how do you feel about that team? They've got two Pac-12 Player of the Year candidates, KJ Simpson and um, Caleb Williams on that squad. They're both balling out. Caleb Williams. You're talking about the quarterback? No. Cody Williams. Cody, I was, was going to be like, Caleb Williams, uh, yeah, he does play for USC, or USC, but he's Though they're on he's uh, They're on CU. Cody Williams and KJ Simpson. Gotcha. They're both okay. Pac-12 Player of the Year candidates. Yeah, I saw Simpson. He had he had thirty in that. I was um was out in the battle with my my uncle out in New Jersey, but I I remember checking that score because I knew they were playing tonight. I was like, I wonder how the busts are doing. And I saw, I was like, man, they're down by a lot. There's like seven minutes left. I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to be able to win that. And then, yeah, checking the next day, I was like, they won double OT. Yeah, I I looked. Was cleaning stuff up in the living room while I was watching the game. It was like thirty-nine to fifty, fifty-eight. The next thing I see, it's sixty-three to sixty-two. CU is right there in it. They're just battling back. That overtime was just stressful, though. They were in. A, it was an away game too, so they got a lot of weight on their backs yeah. coming back. Uh, Thirty points from Simpson helped. Uh, Tristan Da Silva, he was also he did some work in that one. He had the 18 points, but also eight boards. And yeah, what really helped him down the stretch, reading the recap, some uh Boogie Ellis, he missed his last three shots despite dropping 30. But you know, down the clutch, he missed those those three big shots that he really needed. It was a tough ending to hit. You go out like that, it's just a yeah. tough ending for that team. And they, they had another comeback earlier in the year against USC where I'm not, I can't remember quite how much they were down by, but it was another one where you're like, man, how did they come back and win that? I think it's that game on Saturday was the second time that CU has came back down 15 or more points against USC this season. <laughs> so, so it's just weird. That's a weird stat line to have as a team. Collier was also balling out on USC. I think both of them, both him and uh, Boogie were at about nearly 30 points in that game. So hopefully, hopefully the Buffs men's side can uh, stay stay in the fight to get on the bracket this season because that would be pretty awesome to see. Yeah, they are battling for it. I mean, every that, that was a huge win for them because that's crucial. They do have a shot uh, to finish in the top four in the Pac-12 and get to the the tournament. As I was reading up on. Um, and that's that's the pro- their best shot is to make a run in the Pac-12 tournament and just get the automatic bid that way. Uh, I was on Bracketology.com. Let's, they had the odds of the Buffaloes making it. So they 
the auto bid, they had a 9% chance to win on that, and then a 26% chance for an at-large bid as of yesterday. And the women's team, they have a much better shot. Rank 11. Yeah, they're... I mean, they're in the top 25, even if they don't win the Pac-12 tournament, being uh, not a top 25 team usually gets you, definitely gives you a better chance of an at-large bid. Um, we'll definitely see at least one Colorado team, though, I think, in the men's tournament. We got the CSU Rams. You know, they're coming in at 23rd, 22nd, 23rd in the nation, somewhere around there. They're looking pretty good. That would be pretty Man, sweet. That That's women's a, team is something to watch out for. Yeah. They just lost by one to uh, Utah. That was their most recent game. It dropped them from the 8th to the 11th. But, I mean, they're still having a solid season with that upset on LSU in week one. It kind of came out of nowhere with that. Yeah, that was that was a huge one because they weren't even ranked. I don't even think anybody had them really doing anything this season. And then, wow, you knock off the defending champs who still had Angel Reese. That was that was a big way to make some noise. Ben, back over on the men's side, you know who Purdue right now, the number one team in the nation, is looking really good. I've only two losses, three losses on the year. They uh, they're gonna definitely be a tough team to beat come tournament time. So see you. That I, it's crucial that they. I think for them to. They can probably only lose like one more regular season game for a chance at the Pac-12 tournament, and then they've got. I know both teams have some games coming up this weekend, and they're still until the end of the season. They're going to be playing conference-based games, so it's those are tough ones, no matter what. Yeah, those so are crucial. Must-win end of the season for the men's CU team. For the women's, I mean, they still want to keep fighting, keep winning, to keep ranking up in that on that side of the bracket. Because there's a lot of heavy hitters in that top 10 area. Them being in the top four at one point this season was, I mean, they're showing showing great numbers. Yeah. All right. Okay, man. Got about five minutes before we we move on to our next segment. So I want to get your thoughts on this and some of the viewers' thoughts. Let's get some, some early March Madness predictions. Oh, yeah. Teams that, I mean, okay. maybe not a full bracket, but. Who are who are some squads you're looking at to make a deep run potentially on you know both sides? On both sides, I'll start with the women's. I think Caitlin Clark is going to lead them pretty deep in there in that tournament. I think once they get towards those bigger, bigger games like Sweet 16, Elite Eight is where they're going to face the tougher games. I got Iowa making a pretty good run, and my underdog pick. Even though they're pretty high seed, I got Ohio State making a pretty good run too. Nice, nice. What about on the men's side? Who you who you like there? Men's side, as a Drew Brees fan, I want to pick. I want to pick my number one ranked Boilermakers, but I'm gonna stick true with uh, Colorado. I'm gonna say if CU doesn't make it, CSU being in the top 25, hopefully they can make a pretty decent run this season. Nice. Yeah, I'm like, I mean. Your your Boilermakers are looking good. Like they, I I think they're gonna make a deep run. I feel like Kansas didn't. They they kind of had like a disappointing 
tournament last year for their standards, I think we're going to see Arizona. a little resurgence. It's another pick. I think Arizona comes back with vengeance. After and then the first I round. feel like K- Kentucky, man, they were, they were kind of quiet in that as well. At least just by, for, you know, Kentucky standards, I, I'm looking to see a little bit of a resurgence from them. But, you know, I, I like CSU, the, I think I like them to maybe shock some people. They look pretty good on the women's side. I mean, Caitlin Clark is is cooking right now, and I could see them going pretty deep. I like the Colorado women's team, but I, I'm not going to count out the previous champs, the LSU Tigers. They still got Angel Reese there. Uh, they got a good squad. It wasn't the season they they might have wanted to have coming off of a win, but they're I mean they're they're still in contention for the tournament, and they've got. They've got a good chance to make a deep run. Yeah, that so. leaves us. That's going to be our question of the day, everyone. We'll leave it on our Spotify. But what is your early March Madness prediction for college basketball, men's and women's side? You don't, you don't have to tell us why. You can just name your teams or you can let us know. We do want to hear your thoughts no matter what, though. That's our question of the day. Early predictions. As we're getting closer to March Madness, Something we're hoping to do is maybe a uh, community bracket. That would be fun. We could, uh, you know, once once the the tournament teams get announced, we could do a special live stream. People can join in and oh, help man. us kind of pick make our bracket. And we'll do we'll do one as a little community here on NBR. Thank you for the follow. Making similar content, we'll have to check you out too. Appreciate you though. Brian Arinick says Creighton's gonna win it all on the men's side. Creighton, that's a serious underdog pick. I get you gotta go with Providence. Well, I, I like Very that stream. Thank you. See the man. Welcome. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for all the comments. Thank y'all for joining in. Hope you're having a good Wednesday with us here. So like I said, we'll have more information to come on a potential community bracket. Uh, but as we get to the top of the hour here, I want to just kind of see how check in on everybody. You know, it's been a difficult time uh, for everybody. One no week football, without football. Man. No football. Let uh, me tell you. How's everybody doing? Let me tell you. I'm pretty sad. My team didn't even make the playoffs, but I'm still sad that there's no football. My season ended a few months before a lot of fans. So, I mean, I'm, I've been devastated for a little bit. You know I me. Mean? Broncos fan, I mean, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl is probably the worst possible way for the season to end. And I still miss it so much. I still miss the game. I miss playing fantasy football, doing the weekly, you know, the pick sixes and, and survivor pools. I just, you know, I miss it all. It's tough being without football anymore. We've got a whole week. So this what do you mean? What do you guys miss the most out of the NFL season being over? I the thing that I miss is really just the amount of people that you get to get together and actually talk about it with the amount of sports shows that there is. Like you get so much content when the NFL is happening. It's all happening so fast. There's so many stories, you know, good or bad. There's always like media and always content coming out. I just miss like the the rush of the season. There's just always so much great, you know, great topics for discourse and discussion. It's 
you know, from, you know, who's, who's uh, a contender this year to, as is this team legit, you know, the, what, what can these teams turn around? Who's the best at what position group? Oh man. There's just so much you can talk about with the NFL. It's why it's, you know, the most popular sport in America, why it brings in millions of millions of views. What do you, what do you want to say? Well, you know, I was getting ready to tell you the question. I lost the question. Somebody wrote in a question. I'm trying to find it. Oh, gotcha. KP, welcome to the live. I found a pretty hilarious meme. It was like uh, one week without NFL. It was just like a guy chilling. It was like one week without being able to bet on the NFL. It was like this really sweaty guy. It was looking really anxious. It was so hilarious. Oh, that's another thing we're like, missing out on. All the, all the gambling. All the betting, all the gambling. That was one of the comments on our first episode. Somebody yeah. talked about sports betting. Since we don't the, even bet. Since the NFL is over, what do you foresee being some of the new penalties coming? Do you have any predictions? New penalties or I, new rules? New rules. Oh, that's a good one. I don't. I don't see too much of the current ones changing. But let me let me actually think on that one for a second. That's a good question. You know, I'm hoping this isn't the case, but I'm I'm getting worried. Ah, God, we to see Taylor Swift every week. Same here, Sydney. That's right. Thank you. Amen to that. Thank you. Round of applause for Sydney, everybody. I'm, this is something that I hope doesn't become a rule, but I've, with all the fines that we saw for it last season, is that they might start calling un, like unnecessary roughness or, or personal fouls on offensive players for like I hope. trucking the wrong way, which is I hope nothing happens yeah. with that. Man. Maybe maybe it's still just just fines, but that was that was a trend. I was like, I don't know if I like like how that's even going. Be fines. There's such a thing as you know the challenge to play. I'm wondering if in the new season of the NFL, because I think it's rigged anyways, but it's the new season of the NFL. I'm wondering if they'll do challenge the penalty. Honestly, if I feel like they should add that at times just because of that uh, dreaded no-call PI. There was a lot of but, bad <laughs> refing this. this yeah, I, yeah. I mean, even even the NFL identified that, you know, these refs was – so they need – because of all the discretionary, all the, you know, everybody talking about being rigged, they really need to change the way they look at the penalties. Because they have, like, the analyst – like, Gene Steratore comes on every once in a while, and even when it's a bullcrap call, sometimes he agrees with the referees still. And I'm not trying to be, like, biased. Like, that's actually – They'll come on and they'll agree with the referees on something that clearly should have been called or clearly shouldn't have been called. I think, I don't know, it should be more more looked at than like the refs calling a penalty and people wanting it to be reviewed and then only the officiating crew gets to review it. Yeah. Well, I would like, we have, I mean, we have certain instances where it, an automatic review is triggered. Touchdowns, turnovers. Automatic review is automatically triggered. I would like if there's also a third party 
in New York, when there's a penalty called, that's automatically reviewed, and New York can can call in, you know, before they make the call, right? Like, throw the flag. We thought we saw this on the play. Right. All right. And so just before we make an announcement, talk to New York. I know it might slow the game down a little bit more, but, I mean, there have been some really bad calls or really questionable calls. And it's just like, you just, you hate to see a team lose that way. Like, even if it was like a team like the Chiefs, which, you know, we're, well, they're the new, the evil empire of the NFL. (laughs) I, I I even like that game against the Packers. They got gypped on a bad pass interference call, even in situations like that, where it's like, like teams should not be losing games because of these bad calls. And that's, that's just where I'm at. So it's, uh, it's very annoying. And back to the uh, sort of the topic of like helmet to helmet contact and sort of the aggressiveness of the sport. How you said people may be getting unnecessary roughnesses for just going down to truck somebody or like get somebody off of them. That's probably going to be the one that's the most looked at this offseason. There's so many hits this season and like prior seasons that whether or not it was a clean hit or the guy couldn't have done anything or not, like it gets looked at weeks and weeks after the hit even happened. And, you know, the guys get talked about for their fines or whatever. I think it was, uh, it wasn't DeMonte KZ on the Steelers, but another one of their DBs literally was, uh, suspe- or no, it was on the Broncos. Green he Jackson, got, yeah. He got suspended for the rest of the season with no pay because of, uh, unnecessary roughness calls throughout the season and a lot of those calls are just bull crap you're taking the you're taking the g the defense's job away from them it's literally their job to use their body to bring you down in any way that they can pretty much i I can think about uh, of one where it was like yeah he was like a it was definitely some aggressive amount of targeting he had a hit on logan thomas like really high and his defense you know it was a like it, it occurred in the end zone. He was trying to stop a touchdown pass from happening, but he did launch him. Like he didn't need to launch off the ground into this guy's head. And then, but it was just that, that one happened. And then, I mean, he was under a microscope the rest of the season and even clean legal hits. If they just looked bad, got him suspended. Yeah. It's, it's just silly to me, honestly, fourth and inches, third and one. Let's put it in this scenario here. You're four, fourth and one in the Super Bowl. You're putting your entire your your entire seasons on the line here. You need this first down. Are you are you not expecting your players, your favorite player, or even yourself if you're putting yourself in that scenario? Are you not going to put your body on the line? Because at that point, fourth and one, you're running the ball between the tackles. We'll say we're in that scenario. People are going to collide no matter what. And that's what's that's what's really stupid to me, honestly. Like, you gotta you gotta literally give it your all to get the first down, or stop the other team from getting the first down. And it's yeah, you're in a game of inches, game of and inches. pretty much a chess game out there. So losing those any of those big moments like that, whether it's in the first quarter, fourth quarter, OT, they're huge. So it's gonna it's worth more than. Like what people think on certain plays, certain downs. Excuse me. Yeah. 
even protecting the end zone, you know, fourth and goal from like the half yard line. You think your guys are going to go in there and mosey around on that play? No way. They're going full speed at each other when they have an inch of room before they hit each other. It's a contact sport and you got to you give them flags like to... the Pro Bowl if you don't want them to hit each other. My God. Just, you can't expect <laughs> it to not get physical in big situations where you got to make a stop. Just every weekend should be the Pro Bowl then if they don't want people to get hurt. Yeah. To be honest, we, I know, we need a QB we're... throw challenge every Sunday. I want to, you know, we want to protect players as much as, as everybody else, but there's, it's, it's, I mean, it's still a difficult process of keeping players safe while also giving them the freedom to, to make the plays they need to make in situations. So, you know, it's, it's possible that we're still just working out that balance. I do believe that they can find it and we'll have a good balance of keeping our players safe while also allowing them to, you know, especially on the defensive side, have the ability to, to go and make the plays the way they need to make them for to to win games. And I think it's we the the big part places we need to keep putting money in the equipment and designing a safer equipment. That'll that'll make all the difference. But because they the helmets helmets all their gear, you know, they look good. If they look good. In their uniforms, all the teams, you know, they look the way they want to on the field. Then now take the steps to protect them, you know, add, they had the new helmets this season where it kind of the face mask kind of blended in, like molded into the helmet. At least like the top of the face mask didn't have a bar there. It was just the face mask, you know, update those helmets that have their sleek look, give them more protection because there's plenty of other pads you can wear on your body. You know, they have the, like the quarterback, flak jacket, the back pad, neck brace, but the helmet's really all you get for your head. Yeah. Well, moving back over to some aspects of the game this season. And I mean, past few seasons, a lot in general, we've seen where the defense is starting to have more, more control over the games. A lot, a lot of teams are implementing a, a lot of too high safety looks, a lot of deep coverage looks where they're forcing the offense to take something short, but they a lot of teams have such great speed defensively. We can still break it to, out over the top. Yeah, they're able to come down and close and limit gains. So I want I'm, it's very interesting to see when are the when are the offensive schemes going to catch up with that, and how are they going to figure out a way to attack that and exploit that? I mean, we've got a you good know? we've got a lot of good offensive minds in the league right now. So I'm pretty excited to see how that goes. I mean, Tyreek Hill has been, been the one guy to prove that those uh, coverages, like you got to put more than just two deep safeties on him. Yeah. That's hard. That's just he's, so much. He's speed one of the smartest guard. route runners in the NFL. And it's like, so like teams that have like explosive guys like that, that's what those are usually the ones that are, good against it doing good offensively but even then we've seen them struggle we've seen guys get you know absolute like top receivers get absolutely shut down against some of these coverage schemes you know like cut like a lot it's like a lot of like cover six or like cover cover two man where it's just not giving you a ton a ton over the top and i wonder when some of our, our bigger football fans, what do you what offensive schemes do you think 
teams might start being able to implore to to beat that. Because right now, I'm, I mean, I'm still stumped. I'm just not sure. You know, a lot of teams like to spread the ball out, and even that's not always super effective, although it does work, you know, can, trying to confuse the defense using misdirection. That does that does help a lot. Using a lot of motion helps teams be explosive. I will yeah. say one thing we did notice, you know, the teams with the speed did well against it, but we saw a lot of teams running the ball really well this season too. So that could be that could play a factor in really what changes it. Could see a lot more dynamic running back schemes. I, I'm hoping we get a, a run game renaissance because I feel like the running game is starting. It's been getting overshadowed and maybe looked down upon a little bit more. Yeah, I would seriously. love to see. Yeah, but like we're starting to see it is kind of a return to the the greatness of the run game. You know, a lot of teams got those two headed monsters. So I'm only monsters. bringing up this story because it's kind of cool. It's kind of inspirational and. The kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh yeah, uh, recently Bunker. because of the yeah, recently because of the parade, the, you know, the shooting at the parade that happened, and that Lisa Gomez or Lopez, she's the one that died. Apparently, she was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and her favorite player was. The kicker, you know, Dubker. I can't pronounce his last name. Butker. Butker. Yeah, Butker. <laughs> he's um, Butt. Harrison Butt. <laughs> yeah, well, not not uh, a Butt because he's doing nice things. But he's in anything but. He is one of the best kickers in the league. Too. But he showed up at the funeral and signed a jersey of his and gave it to the family and gave them his condolences. That's now, awesome. Yeah, I I I. I don't know. I haven't seen it broadcast in many places, but I just want to make sure that that good news is out there. Oh yeah, you that's know, our inspirational that story. Awesome that, that really that awesome that was awesome. That was awesome that he did yeah. that. Well, that's shout out to Harrison Butker, man. That's a real positive kickers. note to 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 leave up on. Um, yeah, what a what a great guy there. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to a quick break here again, but. Tell us what you guys are missing from having football gone. What are you looking forward to seeing next season? Uh, Anybody got predictions for us? Let's hear it. When when we come back, we'll be talking about the UFL. Yeah, don't worry. There's football coming back soon, people. We'll be back. This is Who You Are by Barbara Sin. Let it 
We interrupt regular programming to bring you the special report. Somewhere little children cry As their parents say goodbye Bound for a land far away When they'll return they just can't say this place where wise men walk In a world where men won't talk Can't help but see the irony Making war to keep the peace Oh God, I hate this world and us Don't wanna be here but us Lord, I do not want to die that's the reason why I'm trusting in the sentry in the sky.
I've got to try Under eastern stars I pray Keeping low and hoping for a better day Oh God, I need the swirling dust To you, my love, I miss you much Wipe the tear from your eyes I'll see you by and by Cause I'm trusting In the century and the sky I'm trusting in the century The century and the sky I'm trusting in the century I'm trusting in the century What's up, everybody? Almost back with Sports in the Cave. HG and I are just putting some shots up. Let me bury this three real quick, though. Yeah, I'm three for three today. You yeah. you you hear the you hear our rejoiners. He is I'm getting three for three buckets today. I'm just, go off, kid. I'm man. just warming up. I'm just warming go, up. Go off, buddy. All right. UFL. Let's I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, man. Right. Yeah, that's good. I want to start it off. I got a this is just a random team for the rest of the UFL season. I'm gonna just I'm gonna die, be a diehard fan. I'm jumping on their bandwagon right now. It's going to be the Michigan Panthers. Thank you. Oh, okay. Michigan they were four Panthers. and six last year. I'm liking their QB battle. They got Danny Etling and Brian LeWork. And I'm liking their running back. They got Reggie Corbin. He's their starting guy. So I that's kind of the main roster pieces that it showed me. I didn't even really do that much research on that, like the teams. I mainly did research on what the UFL is doing right now. So I just got them. That's my team this season, Michigan Panthers. I squad. have been a big fan of the Battle Hawks ever since the XFL came on. I mean, that's I like their uniforms. They just got a, a dope name too, Battle Hawks. I mean, that's awesome. So I'm here, so I won't get fined. <laughs> Thank you, Marshawn. Yeah, no, I'll be I'll be riding Battle Hawks gray and blue all season. Actually, the uh, AJ McCarron, man, he turned down a bigger NFL contract so he could come back and start for the Battle Hawks again. That's so, actually yeah, sweet. yeah. Shout out That's AJ McCarron, sweet. bro. He he nearly got them uh, to the XFL championship, but he they were in a tough one. I think the defenders ended up beating them out. But the UFL, you might be asking, what is this? When's it, when when is it coming back? Like, what can I expect? It's going to come back uh, March 30th. It's going to be from March 30th to June 16th. The season opener is going to be between the USFL champion, Birmingham Stallions, and the XFL champs, the Arlington Renegades, in Ooh. the Renegades Stadium down in Texas. Okay. It's going to be a 10-game season. There's the USFL concert conference and the XFL conference. That's uh, Each team's got four teams in there. Gonna play the ten game season. Uh, top two teams from each conference play for a conference championship. Winner of that plays for the 
the league championship. So that's pretty sweet. Okay, so similar to NFL, they've got a shortened season. Yeah, so they kind had of a shorter NFL season. They had their dispersal draft actually January fifth of this year. So each team, so from their last the last season's roster, they were each able to protect forty two players, and the rest of their roster was then put into the list of then draft candidates for every other team to kind of disperse out the players so for an even roster around for every team. So 45 player, 42 from each team are going to stay, and the rest will be are switched around pretty much. But then, that's how they kind of did their their draft in the offseason. So for everybody wondering, well, what are all the teams we got? So in the USFL conference, we've obviously got the previous champs, the Stallions, but we've also got the Houston Roughnecks, the Memphis Showboats and the Mich- and Cedric's Michigan Panthers. Let's go Panthers. And the I XFL Conference. They're the champ X- uh, Arlington Renegades. We've also got the DC Defenders who some of y'all might have seen some viral clips from their stadium. They had that iconic beer snake going like every home oh, game. Yeah. So shout out to the Defenders too. They you know, they're they're a close second for my favorites there. Then there's also the San Antonio Bra- uh, Brahmas and St. Louis Battlehawks, my Battlehawks. Okay. So it's uh it's gonna be pretty sick. Uh I I can understand why they wanted to just keep it to eight teams. I would like to see, you know, maybe in the future if this league can really get a good following going and earn some good revenue. Get twelve teams in let's there. let's bring back some of the teams from each league that didn't get to come back. You know, we got some I know the Seattle Sea Dragons. They were they were one from the XFL, um, the the USFL teams that didn't make it are escaping me right now. So it it does kind of suck that they those teams got shut out. But we you know if if this league can make some money and keep going, I mean, it's possible we could they could get up to like 12, 16 teams, have a little bit longer season, bigger playoffs. We'll see, but I'm I'm excited for this this upcoming season. It'll be nice to have some spring football fun. to look forward to. It's kind of like a little NFL season preview in a way. That's fun though. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be exciting because yeah. a lot of those guys are really getting either fighting for the chance to go up and play the next level in the NFL, or they just are wanting to go pro and continue it in that. So Gives a lot more people yeah. a chance to play professional level football. We'll see. Hey, who might be getting called up from the the UFL after this season's over? Yeah. And who are you? You guys are going to watch the UFL. Who are y'all going to root for this year? I mean, there's we got plenty of room on the the Battle Hawk fan wagon. So <laughs> if you want to come over here and join that, they were runner up to the championship last year. So. Yeah. Battle Hawks got some, that's a squad right there. That's one to look out for. They got they're gonna have a lot of good games this season. Yeah, honestly, McCarran, he was he was kind of a gunslinger down there in St. Louis. For I'm glad St. Louis has some something of a football team. It sucks that the Rams left them. That was ah, uh, that was that was just tough to see because St. Louis loved having a football team, and uh, it's just like L.A. has two and barely cares about either. That's why I wanted to go with Birmingham. Because when's the last time, like Birmingham, Alabama, and Alabama in general, other than college football, is just like off the map. 
I guess I guess the Crimson Tide is a pretty good way to, you know, it's a pretty good way to think about football in the state of Alabama. Yeah. Oh, so. they love they love their football there in Bama. Now they got somewhat of a a pro team. I also I love that the UFL opens the door for you know college players that might not necessarily get drafted into the NFL. Now they've got a chance. You know they could sign on with the team in the UFL. Gives them a chance to really earn a living, continue going at that like football dream, football goals. That's good for that's good for those players too because gives them like the gives them a livelihood. Yeah, gives them a gives them a shot. Something and, they've worked their entire life for. So I like that it's spreading out to other let's, leagues. Let's look at the chance, and you know it. We need a you know you can't really like have a super long football season because it's just such a physical sport. Like you can't other other sports so it's nice that there's like a this spring league to supplement you know that big downtime in the year between the nfl season especially when the nba season ends yeah well once there's like really a time in sports where there's just nothing going on yeah this is when you actually had to turn on espn8 and watch some cornhole or something (laughs) well we don't don't sell the MLB short, but you know, regular season baseball and playoff baseball, those are two different. And that's all that's two different all around, animals. Really. They play yeah. a lot more game. They play way more than the NBA. So. Yeah. I don't know how you do a 162 game season. Yeah, that's crazy. That just that blows my mind. And I do get that's- they play they play like little short series, so they don't travel really as much. Well, they're still traveling, you know, yeah. every other week. But still, you know, the series and being able to play a couple teams in their state or like that team a couple games in a row, it's nice for them. Because I feel like sometimes Doc Rivers said this about the uh, the Bucks schedule, but the people that make the schedules have never been on a plane before. Yeah, They'll nah. show like complete different time zones and then they have to play back-to-back days. It's just crazy. I know. Well, they're doing all these, like, you know, some teams have like an insane amount of back-to-backs, and they gave like the Nuggets like the most back-to-backs and like short, you know, short breaks, even though they had the longest or the shortest off-season. Man, that's it's wild, but we're we're getting a little sidetracked there. Yeah, we got a little off track from the UFL, the but there's a lot UFL, of sports, man. Lot. Lots to come up, lots coming up, lots to be excited for. So March 30th, mark your calendars. Look out for it. And let us know who y'all are rooting for. Who you who's go Panthers, be man. Your UFL team. Let's go Panthers. Oh, Battlehawks <laughs> gonna go all the way this year. But all right. Moving along the little offseason talk for the NFL. Just taking a look at some teams with High with a ton of cap space and not a lot of cap space. So what are they gonna do? Well my uh co-host K man, he found the three teams with the highest amount of cap space going into this offseason. They're the top top three. Washington commanders were number one. They have the most free cap space, 83 and a half million right now. I think a lot of the pieces on their offense that they honestly should keep space to pay for later like Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, 
is going to be Antonio Gibson is going to be a free agent this offseason as well. So I think they need to really focus on their defense because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, quarterbacks right now on the market that they can go for in the draft, or they can really go go ahead and make the move to keep going with Sam Howell. Their focus should be on their defense. They just lost two of their they just lost their best edge rusher and their best interior defensive lineman. So there's a lot of people up there right now. Let's see my list here. Josh Allen from Jacksonville is going to be a great edge presence. Leonard Williams from Seattle. DJ Reader from Cincinnati. Maurice Hurst. Bryce Huff is also another good uh, good uh, edge presence for them. They need to also, I think they should re-sign Kendall Fuller or maybe go after somebody in the secondary like Miles Bryant or Marcus Peters from Baltimore. There's a few, there's a lot of picks out there really that they can go for. And they got a lot to work with. That's my picks for the Commanders. Next up on the list is Tennessee Titans. $73.9 million free. So if Henry leaves, they've got even more cap space free. And they can really go after, like, honestly, anything. Now, you've got a young quarterback in Will Levis, so I think they're going to really give him some time. And you've got an offensive mind with Brian Callahan at quarterback, at, at your coach, excuse me. And I think, you know, with time, he's going to, you know, maneuver that offense into more drop back passing and kind of develop Will Levis in a different way. So I think that they should probably go and keep and re-sign their O-linemen that are going out. So Aaron Brewer, their center, or they can go after James Hurst. They also want to re-sign Chris Hubbard or go ahead and get Billy Turner over from the Jets. They could also honestly go after Saquon and both of the both of the Ravens running backs are free agents this offseason, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. So they could really they could really rebuild that running game if Derrick Henry chooses not to re-sign with Tennessee. Next team up on the list is the Bears. With the number one and number nine pick, they've also got 70 million free cap space. Wow. They definitely need to keep building their defense and their receiving core, honestly. I think they have a good number one with uh, DJ Moore, and Darnell Mooney is a great number great number two piece. So I think maybe they could even upgrade from Darnell Mooney. Because you have Gabe Davis, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins are up. They could also go after a tight end. Noah Fant is out there. I also think on their defense, they want to re-sign Jalen Johnson. And give Montrez, Montrez, Montez Sweat a little bit more help. Maybe go after some defensive picks. But I think they're, I think the Bears are going to change a lot. I think that team might have a complete flip from going from one of the worst teams to like up there as a contender. The NFC North is looking pretty scary. The Bears are that, that's a great spot. You know, they got DJ Moore. Two two top ten draft picks, all that cap space. That's that's a good spot for them to be in. So that, that's a bright bright future for Chicago. Oh yeah, oh Chicago fans, you guys have been in the trenches and been down in the mud for too long. So hopefully they can, Bears can find a way to rise up. Like whether they trade 
whether they trade Fields to go after one of the younger guys in the draft, even though Fields is very young too. I don't think he can really be deemed a bust because at the time it was just the situation that he was in. The entire team turned it around. Yeah, bad, bad offensive schemes too. Just like his whole career, it was just like, what are we doing? Like the the Bears were just so predictable offensively. I think was their problem. Their defense, their defense is very nice, especially with the Montez Sweat pickup. You know, the Commanders really lost out. You know, Chase Young finally got his chance to you know go after that Super Bowl, and Montez Sweat has the chance to like become one of the I'm a really good leader as an interior defensive lineman on that team. Yeah, he was balling in Chicago. Yeah. And the the Titans, Will Levis showing great promise as a young quarterback. And, you know, you traded away a lot of good players, but now that gives you a chance to try to, to rebuild and build a good team around them. I think getting him some weapons is going to be key. Oh, yeah. And then a premier pass rusher. Because the Titans had a pretty good defense, but I don't think they really had like a like an it guy there to, to rush the passer, like a, a game wrecker on the defensive line. They had good defensive linemen that were good against the run, but you need just a, a guy like a, a game wrecker could really turn that team around and put them back in the playoff contention. And that's that's where I think another one of their focuses should be other than re-signing their offensive linemen and worrying about Derrick Henry. They got to replace Bayard. Sean Murphy Bunting is a DB that's going up in free agency this season. So, you know, they got to work with getting him back or working on getting somebody else that can be their number one man-to-man corner, really. But I think that, like you said, a game wrecker on defensive line, getting that spot filled from Bayard and probably getting Bunting back. Yeah. And then the commanders, that definitely a team that needs a lot of work but you got a lot of money to do it and a high draft pick so whether you want to try to give Powell another chance or draft a, a young player you got, you got the money give them a good O-line and you, you got some good weapons like McLaurin uh, Jahan Dotson and those guys showed a lot of promise and so get them, get them uh, some some protection and sure up that defense that could really help them. Well, let's not every team the, is uh, uh, playing with house money going into the off season. This. I'm excited about this one. I uh, I way. found are the three teams with the least amount of cap space, and Just in fact, they're age. very they're very far in the <laughs> red in cap space. Just so, wait. starting off at. The number three spot. I'll, I'm going to go from three to one here. Okay. All right. All right. Perfect. You got build up today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I, like I really want to build the anticipation. <laughs> so, the Miami Dolphins right now they're they're sitting Ooh. close to negative fifty two million in cap space, but for them they really need to they need to purge like around sixty five to ninety million this off season to really help them out in the and cap. So. A lot of what they can do, I mean, obviously the your first thought is cutting players. Um, and there are some contracts that yeah, you can get away where you can cut a player and it doesn't you don't take too much of a dead cap hit, but a lot of these guys have guarantees built into their contract. So it's it's always a it's always a, you gotta weigh like is is the dead cap hit worth cutting this guy, you know, or honestly, yeah. or do you want to restructure? 
So some potential things they can do, like Christian Wilkinson's uh, or Wilkins' contract is up, and, and he's due for a big one. He had an excellent season. So do you do you franchise tag him? Do you let him walk, or do you offer him like something that's probably going to be close to like a Quinn and Williams deal, like a hundred million dollar contract? Now. Can you structure this where it isn't a huge cap hit early? That's what a lot of teams like to do is you you put most of the money on the back end of the deal because typically the salary cap goes up year by year. If you can do that where you can, you know, a lot of that money is paid out on the back end and you can keep this this key piece and not pay him a ton in your early two years, so it's not a huge cap hit, that would work out. But Or you can franchise tag him and have to pay him $19.8 million. They've got some like obvious cuts, like you can, you can cut at, uh, Emmanuel Ogba. That will clear thirteen point seven million for you, with little to no dead cap hit there. But there's some uh, there's some other guys that it's you know it's questionable. It's like Xavier Howard. You know, is he going to be worth the eighteen point five million that you have to pay him? You know, if you cut them after June first, you don't ha- you don't have to pay them that, and then you can you can kind of space out how much that over kind of two years, and it doesn't all come into this year's year's salary cap. But then it leaves you a big hole at cornerback, and it's like, was it better to try to restructure his deal and minimize his cap hit so you don't have like a huge hole at cornerback because you're st- still probably going to have to pay a lot of money for that position. And he's still a good corner. He's just maybe not, you know, he, he later into his career, he's maybe not like at that 18 and a half million value. So big decision for them there. I mean, maybe you can find a replacement for him with a 21st overall pick. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he's got the huge, the big contract for them. So their thing is like, can you restructure that? Give him an extension so you can, you know, pay on more money down the line. Just over and, time instead of just having it all stacked up in a short deal. And then Jalen Ramsey, he's the other one. He's got a huge, he's got a big contract. He's got like 25 million dudes, you know, base salary and uh, all different types of contract incentives that are due. So that's another one where you're going to have to restructure his deal, an extension probably to help stretch out that money over a period of a few years. Uh, the next team, they're the Bills, and like they're also hovering around $52 million in negative cap space. But they have, they, they have uh, some better options. The big one is, you know, Josh Allen. They can, they can restructure his contract. So instead of him taking a $47 million hit to their – to their cap, he's just 29 million. You can save yourself 70, 17 million with that 17.9, so almost 18 million right there if you restructure his deal and you don't feel bad, you know, moving a lot of that money towards the back end of his contract because he's going to obviously be a high level quarterback for a, a number of years ago. So that's a no brainer. The other two big contracts that they can restructure, which will help them, you know. And this year, but hurt them down the line is is Von Miller, Stephon Diggs. 
Oh yeah, because two those guys, two big contracts. Huge. They're on the plus side of thirty, and it's unlikely you're going to be able to ship them off with the contracts you have. And so, yeah, you're help, as well, you can help yourself now. Like if they restructure it right, they can save around seventeen or I mean twenty five million between those two guys. But then it's just like in the future, like oh, like. What are you going to do when that that money comes back to to catch up to you? And then you know they've got other guys uh, like Milano, White, Bass, uh, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver, Connor McGovern. They they can have similar reworks for just smaller dollar amounts, like in the one to two million range. But they can all those are all guys that you can feel more comfortable giving the rework and yeah, not, that doesn't bite you. Then we come to the big Kahuna. The New Orleans Saints are yeah. $83 million, $83.6 to be exact, uh, over the cap limit. Woo! Let's go. NOLA. They have a Nola. lot to do, a lot of work. Um, we do, we're we on a little short on time, so the, the real quick synopsis of this, there are 19 players that, if they work correct, if they restructure the contracts correctly, um, they can clear about 113 million in cap space, so that would be huge. They're, I mean, obviously, they're probably still going to need to make some cuts yeah. and everything too. But just some of the guys on the high end, they can restructure Derek Carr to save a maximum of like 23 million. Ryan Rams check, they could save around 11.8 million. Uh, Cam Jordan would save like 9.4 million. All the way down to guys like Michael Thomas, Foster Moreau, JT Gray, that they can eat on the low end still save around one and a half million to like 1.8 million with those guys. So, those teams, a lot of work to do though, to, uh, before free agency starts to make sure they have uh, cap money to go after some free agents and uh, improve their team. So, that, those numbers that we just gave you. Probably gave you a headache as well. But with the final about 13 or so minutes of the show, we've got Regis University to talk about. We're going to head into a quick segment, looking out for the little guy. All right, HD, HG, sorry. Their last two games are next weekend. I am so disappointed, not only because we're the commentary for the home games, because I am just now become a very big fan of watching those those teams oh, play. They're a man. lot of fun to watch. It was, a, it was a great opportunity for us and really just – grateful to Regis University for letting us be a part of their season and we've had a yeah, great time. Was, it was great. Being on call. Game winner. Come on now. That's and, the oh, best that's the best yeah. uh, portfolio thing to add right there. Come on now. A lot of good games. We've seen a lot of highlight plays. It's um, I mean it's a joy to watch the the ladies work losses. on offense. The guys man they, that that fast that aggressive style of defense it triggers a lot of exciting fast breaks and everything. So they, they know how to get to work out there. So with their final two games coming up, we were doing a little research when HG got here, and 
The women's team is up to number one. They are. So they do. Each squad's got three games left in the season. They'll, they each have one this weekend and then two the following weekend on the first and second. So, but as of right now, the women are sitting at 20 and five overall. They're 15 and four in the conference. Sitting at that number one spot, they definitely, you know, they've got uh, schools like Colorado Mesa, Colorado School of Mines, they're hot on their tails. So, and they're high about they're like high operating teams too, offensively. Yeah. So they they definitely want to try to win out, hold on to that one spot because uh, it's it's definitely not guaranteed with with those really talented schools right behind them. And then for the men, they are in a battle for fourth place right now. It's a three-way battle. Go, men is currently sitting at 13 and 12 overall in the season. Uh, they're 10 and 9 in the conference. Right now they're sitting at six, but they're just behind MSU Denver, who is 10 and 8 on the season, and then Black Hill State, who's 11 and 7. I and think... they did unfortunately drop one to Black Hill State, which it's going to make it tough for them to you know, secure a home playoff game in the quarterfinal for the RMAC, but it's not, it's not entirely out of the question. They definitely can still do it. They just, they're definitely going to have to to win out. I think to do that. And they'll, they'll probably need some help they're down the stretch, team. but they, they'll still, they'll still qualify for the RMAC tournament. And I mean, it was a really good season for, for such a young squad with yeah. not a ton of returning starters. I mean, the Eddie Being around- was really, 50 being around 500 is like really good for for that team having so many new players on it and honestly they against like the top schools in the the conference they they really kept they up held they held strong and they, they Great games against adams state as well yeah they were able to run uh run along with you know some of the top schools like fort lewis they nearly beat fort lewis um they they can also, they almost, you know, they were, they were hanging tough with School of Mines and Colorado Mesa. So definitely, we'll see what they can do in the RMAC tourney. But women are looking great. We'll go, go get back to them in a second. But just, just for the guys, uh, they're a top three team in shot blocking and stealing as a team. Oh, uh, Eddie Egan. Gisa still leading it huh? in blocks. Issa is still the leading shot blocker yes. in the conference. That's my boy right there. I've had many Gosh. calls. He is many calls. Where he, he is brings just it out of me. sick defensively, and he's had to take on some like pretty impressive big men too. And and here, man, like I mean that that dude uh, that from uh, Fort Lewis, Dembale, oh, Dembale, yeah. Dembele. Uh, yeah, Dembele. Got, that's it. Did Trevor Baskin, who's you know is pretty well in the post. But you know, a lot of the guys on Regis are very great defenders. Yeah. It all starts with the defense out there. So, so I mean, and then they got some scores offensively. Eddie Egan, Chase Mayo, Harmon, they're both averaging 12-plus points a game. That's actually good for top 10 in the RMAC for both, both of them. Let's go. Uh, Eddie Egan, he's shooting 57% from the field, so he's very a good le- shooter. What a leader. Yeah, he can really attack downhill. That guy's... You give him a, a, a step to the basket and forget about it. He's he's great at just attacking and creating shots around the rim. I love watching him. 
Where's where's Mayo Harmon at right now in those rankings and those stats? He is currently number seven, and then Egan's number ten in points okay. per game. And then Harmon's up there uh two on the shooting percentage. I believe he's in the top fifteen. Uh he just fell out of like the top ten in the and three point percentage for the RMAC. He's also top top five in uh free throws. Harmon's great at getting to the line. Seriously. And he, he converts at a high clip. He gets he had so many and ones their last home game. It was it was yeah. a. It's just been great performances from him recently, and get seeing him get to the line for a few and ones recently, it's been good. You know, he's one of their best three point shooters as well. He's just one of those guys, confident shooter. Anytime he has the chance, he's gonna you know pull up, let one out. So I yeah. like I like their confidence as a team. And then uh, we gotta give a shout out to some of the guys that do some of the dirty work on the defensive side. Oh yeah. We got uh, CJ Reed, Trey Bryant, Eddie Egan. Those guys are all in the top 25 for steals per game in the conference. They're great at getting after the ball, knocking it out. But taking it back to the ladies, right now the, the queens of the RMAC leading the whole conference. I like that. They got that's where, that's where they uh... Aaron Fry, Athena Saragoza, Josie Ryan, all averaging 12-plus points a game, all top 25 scores in the conference. Two Legendary. top ten rebounders, Sam Dean, Morgan L. Smith. Morgan L. Smith, the the game winner, the one that hit the game winner uh, just a few weeks ago off of a great pass from Aaron Fry, who's one of the best assisters in the RMAC. She's currently second in assist per game. And she is she's got the best assist to turnover ratio. So just elite elite facilitator for uh, Aaron Fry is. And Ryan, she's shooting 45% from the field. Sarah goes oh, is shooting 38% from three. So they're great at just stretching the floor. They have great three-level scores all over. And Ryan's also averaging nearly three steals per game, which is fourth in the RMAC. So really just that. they're looking great over there. I remember you know, a few weeks ago we saw Athena start off over four from the field and then came out the next four shots in the second half. She made them and was back up to 50% from the field and continued on and just light it up. That was the night she actually got a, the career, the game high scoring record. She started and four and then ended up with around 30 points that night. Yeah, she's had so. multiple 30 point games this season. Um, Ryan and Sam Dean, and even Morgan L. Smith have all posted a couple of double doubles. Aaron Fry, she even got close to a, a triple double, man. She was she had a double double and it was an assist and points, and I think she was like seven rebounds there too. And one so. of the best defenders, she's listed as a guard, but they like to put her in at like the four, three, four spot out there. Madison Dirks, one of the best defenders on the team. Oh, yeah. I've seen her and Josie Ryan are like the top two players on that team that can intercept your passing lane on any given play. And, and we've Josie seen... Ryan with that just she's got to put a patent on that, like reach behind and just poking the ball out for the steal. You're like, 
she's hardly ever called for a foul and she ever does that or ever she, goes like, after she, the ball. It looks so effortless when she just does it too. It's pretty it impressive. Right uh, man, we see Madison. Derek's just absolutely put the the clamps up on on guards trying to on the perimeter, trying to get inside. I mean, she just locks people people up. And then Morgan L. Smith has she's had some vicious blocks in the the paint, just sneaking up behind out of nowhere and just swatting it. Man, I want to see I want to see them continue to play. Honestly, I'm going to have to come and check yeah. out some games next season or try and even get in we, that booth next season to call the games. Because Even if we man, aren't back as the, the commentary crew. I want to check them out. I'll head to the RMAC website. Well, we'll I know go. where I can see we'll, them. You know, they're down uh, at the field house at, <laughs> off of Federal Boulevard. So they you all pull federal. up and, and see some games there too if you're in Colorado. Not but, sure their cost on tickets though. It's probably not too much though. No, I don't think that it's too bad at all. Not yeah, too, they get they get it's too expensive to watch some college basketball. And now. I mean the, the crowd isn't huge, but they're passionate and they're loud. And it's so it's it's a good time. We're gonna we're gonna make the most of our final few games with them. Who knows? We may we may be back next season. They like to they like to try to get the interns for this so they don't have to true pay for play-by-play because the the d2 school budgets aren't as on as big as those division one ones they don't they don't have espn tv deals one thing i am excited for though i think you know hopefully soon we can talk to their school hopefully get some of the players on to interview them for the sports in the cave i'm sure man and that's what i was saying is once you start you know, and this is your first year with Regis, right? Yeah, first season. Yeah, first, first season with this, They're gonna start getting. You know, they're gonna start getting used to your, your, you know, your commentary. You know, you guys will be the voice of Regis. You know, kind of thing. People are gonna. They're they're gonna follow you. They're gonna want. You guys are gonna be big. You guys are gonna be really big. So we are. We're, we're working with uh, the athletic director, David. Yeah. These players are busy. It is the the end of the season. And playoffs are coming up, but we will we'll keep you all posted. We're trying to get them on here for some interviews, so we'll see. We'll let you know what's going on there. Yep. And with our final minute, we're gonna head out, you guys. We're gonna sh- give one quick shout out. Thank you to our sponsor, LTD Tactical. Make this and all possible. MBR. They want to let you guys know that the show does not end here. There's plenty more. You guys want to call H Train work right now, helping out other people that want to start a show. You can also donate to our page and donate to this show as well. But we are all about helping the veterans and supporting you guys, giving you all a voice. So thank you for watching today. HD and Caveman will be back next Wednesday. That's the show for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. And remember, you can listen to us again and again. The podcast of this radio show is available right after we go off the air tonight. Anywhere that you can get your podcast episodes. And thanks for joining us today. I'd like to take a moment to 